and this is the Age Group Multisport Podcast with me, Richard Conway. This is a platform for Age Group Multisport athletes to showcase their journeys. Welcome along to episode 58 and thank you once again for joining us. Hope you're all well and um, training's going well and you're going to be ticking over now for the um, winter time as the temperatures have definitely dropped this week that I've noticed. Um, so yeah, hope everything's going to plan and if you have had any races, I hope they've gone well. Um, we're going to talk about races in a minute because there was the European Championships over there in Bilbao in Spain uh, that many of the previous AMP guests were racing at and also this episode's guest Simon Hall was racing at. Um, so yeah, so on episode 58 here we have Simon Hall and his journey into multisport and he talks to us about his background as a runner and how he got into multi-sport and some of the issues that he's he's been through um, from a health point of view and what he's done to rectify those. Uh, so that's all coming up. So that's pretty a pretty good journey, actually. It was really nice to meet Simon. Uh, and we'll find out, like I said, how he got on at Bilbao um, at the end of the episode. We also had quite a few of our previous guests racing out there last weekend and they included age group news um david pearson and karina kaufman um david was on episode eight and karina was on episode 17 and just while we're on that topic they they do a fantastic job on instagram um sharing all the news of what's happened in the age group world um and they've also just started a facebook page so if you are wanting to know what's going on um, other than the British triathlon website itself, um, David and Karina do a fantastic job and now it's even more accessible uh, for people who don't go on Instagram to just nip across to Facebook and follow their page on there and uh, yeah, you'll find out lots of things that are going on and have been going on. Um, usually just roundups of races and things like that so uh, look them up and give them some support. Also racing was episode 28, Stuart Fisher, and episodes 49, David Brown, and Christina Dove from episode 12, and Mark Shepard from episode 21. Jason Williams, who was on episode 56, and Megan Powell, sorry, and Dr. Megan Powell, who was on episode 13, and finally David Bagg, who was on episode 47, as well as... Um, this episode's guest Simon Hall. So well done to you guys uh, for getting there in the first place and also for racing. I hope you had a good race. I hope you enjoyed the whole experience. And like I say, if you want to hear and find out more, head across to the Age Group News guys and uh, they'll fill you in. And it was a return to racing for me last weekend as I took part in the European 
duathlon sprint qualifier over there in Dalian, put together by Crazy Legs Events, who'd done a fantastic job. Quite a quiet event, really, in the scheme of things, as lots of uh, competitors were away over in Spain competing in Bilbao, as we already discussed. And with it being the last qualification race of the year, that gave uh, people the opportunity to go out there and um, put the tenor in and see what they can do. It's funny how it was Mrs. C's idea to um, go along to Dalymore and because this was the weekend that I was supposed to be going over to Bilbao, she said, well, let's go and race uh, over at Dalymore because she wanted to try and qualify. And two of our other friends from our club, WBC, also came along and they decided that they'd want to qualify as well for their age group. And I already had... Um, a tenor in from Clumber Park earlier on the year, which after the crash, I didn't manage to race. Uh, so my tenor was already in. So that was four of us trying to qualify. Um, but to be honest, on my my part, I didn't really hold out much uh, expectations. Not as fit, obviously, as, um, as I wanted to be due to, uh, obviously, the crash and various injuries, calf strains and hamstrings and just one thing after another this year um, but I thought it'd be nice just to get to the start line um, healthy without any injury and just give it a go and that's uh, what happened so we rocked up on Saturday night because you could camp over so we took the van over and um, Betty came with us and we just stopped over and in the van and uh, we were all ready, ready for it Sunday morning so we didn't have to after travel on the morning, which is always preferable. Um, yeah, and uh, the racetrack, like I said, triangular, and uh, it was all right. It was a really nice surface, really windy down the back straight. Um, the ladies had it worse than us because they had rain on their race. The uh, over 50s was in the morning, which was the category that I was in. The ladies was after us at half 11, and then the under-50s men was um, in the afternoon. So the race went really well, actually. Um, I was pleased with how I performed, especially on both legs of the run. Uh, no pulls, no strains, no injuries. Um, I'd set myself a pace in my head that I wanted to aim for, and, yeah, I did that quite comfortably. So I was just glad to, to get through it, to be fair, and... Uh, Ended up sixth in my age group. Had a bit of a torrid time in T2 off the bike. Couldn't get my helmet undone. My hands were frozen um, and numb. Couldn't find the clasp. And it took me, well, a good a good minute and some to, uh, to get it undone. And by that time, a few people had got in front of me. So I didn't really have the uh, opportunity to, to pull it back in such a, a short second run. But it was nice to see uh, one of our previous guests on the podcast Andy Biggs back racing uh, and he came in on the fourth spot um, which was good to see so he'd have an automatic qualification because Andy's uh, had a bit of a rough time over the last couple of years so it's great to see him racing again well done mate Mrs C did a fantastic job um, having just had a cast took off her wrist on Thursday we were still umming and ahhing whether she should try and race but she was determined as ever and uh, she got the job done and completed it um, 
and our teammates Roz and Phil both did really well and hopefully we await to see whether they've qualified or not um, fingers crossed for them because that would be ace all in all great event really enjoyed it and uh, yeah definitely go back and revisit it and see when we're really really fit how we can improve our times been watching a bit of um, Super League that was uh, taking place this weekend just gone uh, and they were over in Malibu in the States um, so it was a sea swim which is always quite fascinating because the waves bring them back in and some of them get a better ride on the waves than others and it can make a massive difference and it did in the ladies um, Taylor Spivey after Georgia Taylor Brown uh, was in the lead um, on one of the bike legs she crashed and uh, she was going a bit too hot into one of the corners which was all sandy and yeah she ended up on the floor so she ended up 40 seconds behind and she never really caught up and uh, it was nice to see actually the local girl Taylor Spivey get the win and the same um, fate befell Matty Hauser who was in the lead um, of the men's race uh, and again same corner same thing happened to him he went down and um, he actually didn't manage to hit the time cut um, so he got pulled out uh, unfortunately for him and Hayden Wilde ended up winning the whole thing and he's gone back to the top of the leaderboard so yeah good for good for Hayden not so much for Matty Hauser but um, there's still a few more races to come so it'll be interesting to see how it pans out and also been watching the cycling world championships which have started and they're over there in Australia uh, and they had the women's and the men's TT on on Sunday and I'm not sure what else is on there other than the, the road races as well. I don't know whether there's any uh, indoor cycling going on there. I haven't looked into that but uh, they're always worth a, worth a watch so I'll be following that. Uh, finished the Lawrence Acoli book really enjoyed it and if you remember from the last episode he was the uh, the young man who was inspired by Anthony Joshua's success in the Olympics in 2012 who where he won a gold medal and at the time Lawrence was flipping burgers in McDonald's and yeah he changed his life around uh, he managed to get to the Olympics four years later in Beijing and then he became the world cruiserweight champion. Uh, so, yeah, really inspirational story. And uh, he had lots of good points to make. And, uh, yeah, so it's worth a read. Quite quite inspirational. Been listening to podcasts as usual while I've been working. And uh, a couple of podcasts I've listened to. And one of those was Triathlon Mockery again. Um, which is brought to you by Joe Skipper and his sidekick Tom, can't pronounce his surname because I think he's Dutch so anyway, but uh, the, Joe was talking about his uh, victory at Ironman Wales uh, and I didn't realise because I really didn't follow it very very much um, but he'd had a, a chain malfunction on his bike and he was telling us that he'd... Uh, he had to stay at the side of the road for 20 minutes while they got it sorted. They literally had to take his chain off and put it back on again. 
and he still went on to win. So that shows he's in good form for Kona, which is going to be happening in a few weeks. Um, so good luck with that one, Joe. Uh, just go out and smash it. Some sad news for uh, the Brownlee brothers as well that was uh, put on social media over the last few days. Uh, Johnny couldn't race at the weekend because um, he'd gone over to Malibu but picked up a virus. So he'd been in bed for about three days. So he was watching from the sidelines. And Alistair's ended up with a stress fracture again. Um, so he's out of action. He, I think he was supposed to be racing at the PTO Championships um, so that's not going to happen either. So get well soon, guys. And one of the other podcasts that I was listening to um, is the Catalyst Health and Wellness and Performance Coaching Podcast. Bit of a mouthful. Um, and it's all about health and wellness, as the title says. And on this episode, they had uh, Professor Jay Maddock on, and he was just discussing why being outside um and spending time in nature is important on well-being fascinating um fascinating podcast um the theory behind being out in nature or even just having plants in the home can just uplift our our uh, well wellness and um improve our well-being uh, give that a listen if you can again it's the catalyst health and wellness and performance coaching podcast um it's pretty good all round actually there's some really good episodes on there for lifestyle and and health so there's, there's just a couple that i've been listening to um over the last couple of weeks and i think that's about it for now that's enough of me waffling on um it's time to go to the main event which is simon hall i hope you enjoy simon's story uh really nice guy and uh we'll see you on the other side Hi there. Hi, Simon. <laughs> you well? I'm all right, yeah. Not too bad, actually. Can't complain. Um, yeah. You? Yeah, good. Yeah, back at work this week, so I've had a couple of weeks off. Oh, nice. So, Been um, on holiday? Uh, I had a couple of weeks. I, I spent a week down at um, the Cotswolds, so I yeah. um, had a week there and then a week at home, so, um, so it was good, yeah, just to... It's nice having two weeks off work. Yeah. It's um yeah, you get a real respite and yeah, a week. I can't switch off. Can't no. switch off in a week. So a couple of weeks is always good. Well, thank you once again for coming on to AMP and agreeing to share your story. Much appreciated. Um just if you would like to just tell us a little bit about your background growing up as a kid and what you were into and basically how you got into uh, multi-sport, really. Yeah, I suppose so. Um, background, I, I suppose I was like like most kids enjoyed a lot of sport when I was when I was a young lad. So um, I think my my family as well was a very outdoor family. So even from prior to going to school, I think my mum, uh, my dad was a police officer, and back in the day we only had one car, and we'd go down and meet him in town after work. So from when I was two or three, my mum was pushing my little brother in the pushchair, and I was walking two or three mile in the week to go in. So I, I think naturally always had that sort of, um, yeah, outside being in the sort of doing some form of physical, um, activity. But I think when I was at primary school, I used to do a lot of sprinting as you do sort of sports mm -hmm. day and things like that. And I was, I was pretty good at 
sprinting and and that when I was young. Um, then as I sort of got a little bit older, especially sort of coming to the end of sort of primary school, started doing a bit of cross country. I think my my teacher at the time, Mr. Caffrey, I think his name was, didn't think I'd be much of a long distance runner, but fortunately, yeah, I um, did a few cross countries with the schools and just naturally sort of started to do some of that as well as playing things like football riding my bike and things like that when I was when I was a kid obviously I think a lot of young lads when they're that age that down over the, the the local field kicking a football round but I was okay at football but it wasn't really um my sort of real real interest or passion but when I went to sort of junior school I did a few sort of more bit of running and cross country and um, entered a couple of the, like the local schools races. And um, fortunately I, I was pretty good from, from an early age, I think naturally quite a skinny guy. So I think that helps when you run out <laughs> and uh, just naturally sort of fell into doing a bit of cross country. And um, I think when I was about 11 or 12, um, I was already at sort of cubs and doing scouts um, mm. And I sort of said to my parents that my school teachers have said, oh, I've got a bit of a pretty good runner. It was actually my, I think it was a geography teacher and a maths teacher who had a sort of out of schools cross country club, which I went to. And they sort of sort of convinced me to join the local club. So I sort of went back to my parents and said, can I join the local athletics club? well, you need to give up either your scouts or something. <laughs> we can't do everything. And yeah. at the time, they just spent a lot of money on my new scouts outfit and stuff. But so I went down to my local club, Tamworth, uh, which is where I was sort of born and brought up and joined there when I was about 12. Um, and just, yeah, started running there from when I was 12 all the way up to when I was sort of 22, 23, really. And um mm. Yeah, I used to go there on a Tuesday and Thursday night to begin with, racing at weekends. Um, my family, I suppose, my mum and dad weren't really runners, but my dad was dropping me off there every week and he decided to join the club. wasn't long after then my mum decided to join the club. Oh, then wow. my brother decided to join the club. So all four of us were Fantastic. at the local athletics club. My brother sort of did more of the sort of shot put and throws and things like that as he got a bit older, my mum and dad. Uh, I think my mum's done about eight London marathons. My dad did about 12 or 13 marathons. Not wow. um, Especially my mum was not a uh, naturally gifted runner, but um, she joined the club. She couldn't run around the block. And within four weeks, she was doing a half marathon and so forth. So they, yeah, they, I think they got a lot out of going, just not yeah, from yeah. a competitive point of view, but from a social point of view and just health and well-being, I suppose. Mm-hmm. So it was quite a family affair, really. And I, I was at that club for quite a few years doing lots of different races from sort of 800 meters. When I first started, I think I was, I won a county championships when I was under 13 um, and then running all the way up to under 20 running sort of for the Midlands and having sort of Midland medals and things like that, but never quite making the Mm. international level. It's it's very similar to football where you can get to a certain level, but to, to, that jump people don't realise to get to yeah. any sort of international competitive level can be pretty difficult. So I was always a really good sort of county runner, pretty good Midlands runner, um, but never quite made those national teams when I was sort of working through those um, younger years, but really enjoyed it. I think um, you get a lot from 
I think as well when you're young, I think joining a club like that and being around different at that time, different age groups, different um people as well from different schools. I think it was actually quite good for my for my um sort of just general life skills yes. and things like that. Because yeah. I think you can be quite within a school, you've got your certain friends and your certain actually joining something like an athletics club and um I had luckily had friends from other clubs as well there. So local yeah. clubs like Canic Chase and um things like that. I've got friends that I've probably known since I was 12 or 13. Not as a go down the pub in, but just yeah. still now stay in touch with on Facebook or Strava or seeing what they're doing running wise. Um yeah, it's quite yeah, really um really good to be involved in yeah. sort of that's well, a way of life, isn't it? Yeah. You know, once you've been involved in that sort of thing, it's even if you leave it for a period of time, you always get back to it. There's always, you know, it's always there, isn't it? It's like a family in a, yeah. In a sense. Yeah, and, and I think as well, my club, Tamworth, was a very small club. wasn't We didn't have a lot of money. I think we we had a when I started had a cinder track. It was one of the few remaining cinder tracks in the before. I think they got a lottery fund to get a, sort of a an updated sort of tartan track and that was a that was a big deal when they got that and they had a um sort of clubhouse built as well when i started there the, the clubhouse was literally some little tin sheds that you just went into and um yeah it was very yeah billy billy basic sort of um club but yeah i really enjoyed it when i was there and um had a few coaches when I was there. My final coach, um, John Graves, actually went on to work for England Athletics. I think he was the chair of England Athletics or something wow. eventually. Yeah. But um, um, yeah, he was a, I think he was a geography maths teacher. So very analytical, very, so had all our structured programs and everything. He'd give us a A4 sheet of paper for the month with what we need to do on which days and had all our sessions outlined. So and yeah, lucky to be able to run with people that were a bit older than me as well, which um, I think multi-sports always say, don't they run with runners, cycle with cyclists? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. But yeah. I think when you're young as well, if you're running with people that are in, often adults as well, um, mm. when you're sort of 16, 17 and start running with 25 to 30 year old men, it sort of really brings you on. So um, yeah, so I was there from, probably from about 12 till it was about 22 or something like that. And then I moved over to run for Birchfield Harriers, which is probably one of the biggest clubs in yeah. the country. So um, I went there just mainly because I was doing a lot of steeplechase running, which is the one over the barriers and through the yeah. water. Um, Always good to watch. Yeah. So looks like um, one of the hardest races out there, actually. Yeah. it's Luckily for me, I think I was pretty good on flat speed, but the reason I think I was pretty good over the steeplechase is I spent a lot of time with my hurdle technique. So my differentiation between the flat and the hurdles was probably a lot better than some people. So it does make yeah. a lot of difference, doesn't it? When you when you watch them on the TV, the the, the people who might not be the fastest, but they get over the hurdles, that's yeah. that makes a massive difference of the how they then go on to the next bit of flat and the amount of space they can have between another athlete who's not, who's flailing yeah. about trying to get over. It's Yeah. It's and quite I spent a lot of time learning to, um, to sort of lead off both legs. So I could hurdle left and right leg lead. So it meant I didn't need to chop 
speed down and stuff like that. So my differentiation between my steeple to the flat 3K was to like 20 seconds where they they would normally work on a 40 second to 45 second sort of differentiation. So for me, I was, yeah, always, um, and it was something a bit different as well. So, but I wasn't getting the competition at my, my club level. So mm. moving to Birchfield meant I could run in there, the sort of like what they call the Premier League, which is, yeah, the national division one of, I think there's about four divisions in the national and then you have the regional division. So they were running, they were sort of top flight. Um, so, so who yeah, were the famous ran. faces at Birchfield as you were there then that, you, that you'd come across? Yeah, so we had um, when I was it's there, a massive, massive, like you said, it's a massive, well-known club, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, there was the heptathlete, and I can't remember her name off the top of my head. That um, one of the last ladies to win one of the she won an Olympic medal, and I'm trying to think of her name, not Denise Lewis um, no. or anyone like that. But there was another lady, and I can't remember her name now. But yeah, I mean, on the league, on the the league level that I was running at, there probably wasn't some of the top type, like like. Mark Lewis Francis would have been in and around that sort of time, but he wouldn't come and run some of the league races. But um, they had a lot of sort of Kenyan athletes that they would bring over as well. Uh, I think that used to frustrate some of the other clubs. But so for me, I could run with not top flight Kenyans, but even their run of the mill Kenyan was still (laughs) good trouncing and training. So, um, so yeah, so there was. That's um, great exposure though, isn't it? You know, I mean, people might not like that, but, you know, bring things you have on. done so much these yeah. days. But I think, to, like, bringing you on and seeing how they actually just effortlessly run and... Yeah, we had... Um, quite amazing, really. Yeah, we had a... I think it was one year that we won or we got into the national... The road... They do a road relays every year. Um, they have the Midlands and the Nationals and they're at Sutton Park, which is on the running scenes, one of the biggest sort of club events that you can have. And uh, on the Nationals, we had one of the Kenyans on the first leg and I was on the second leg and he come in with quite a big lead over quite <laughs> some yes. really good runners. And it, I hated it, to be fair, because I was on the second leg knowing that I was probably out of my out of my uh, league a little bit and it just I didn't run a bad time but I must have had 10 or so people just come flying past me on the second <laughs> leg because and the problem was you were you were there just to be shot at and everybody knew that on the previous leg we were in the lead <laughs> and then it just on this on the second leg but I think um yeah it was uh but on the flip side of that I think the we'd won the Midlands 12 stage which I was a part of. And I think I was on leg nine or 10 and um, yeah, running behind a lead motorbike for three mile with everyone cheering you in your sort of in Sutton Park, which is, our, I suppose, very local to Birchfield. Yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah. That's quite yeah. nice to have that. Memories, of, eh? Yeah. feel like you're sort of a professional <laughs> in a way behind a yeah. lead bike is, is, is quite yeah. nice. You don't get that very often. So um, yeah, but that was sort of my main sort of, um, yeah, my whole background was really running and uh, yeah. steeplechase, but everything from 800 through to 1500s, 3Ks um, and, and so forth. And then outside of that, I was just a, a kid that liked cycling and mountain biking and, and stuff like that. Yeah. But that was more of a hobby outside of my running. Yeah. And then I, I read in your, your bio that you sent through that you actually got to, to do a triathlon. Yeah, so 
I was, I think I was still running for Birchfield at the time, but as I think as you go into sort of work life, um, you sometimes come across events and things that your business is doing. And luckily uh, the company I was with, we, we shared an office with another business and they were, they wanted to do a sort of a sprint triathlon. I think it was the construction mark, the construction triathlon, something or other. I can't remember who it was sponsored by at the time. And um, yeah, they said, how oh, do you fancy having a, a crack at this? And I, I could, I could run, I could cycle. I've cycled when I was a kid um, I spent a lot of time when I was um, on holiday as a kid, bodyboarding and surfing. So I was quite comfortable with open water in in that sense. Although I hadn't done a lot of swimming, and and I sort of had a couple of months of just going down a swimming pool, riding. A, I think at the time I had my dad's old uh, an old rally bike that I bought some cheap sort of SPD pedals for it. Mm. for like 20 quid it was a the shifters were on the down tube and um, <laughs> just trained on that for a few weeks which was fun but luckily I've got a, a cousin who's a really good mountain bike rider um he used to have a sponsorship deal with rally and stuff when he was a kid right. and went to the world cyclocross champs as a junior so he said oh I've got an old winter Dolan bike um do you, do you want to borrow that for the race so luckily for race day I had a semi-reasonable <laughs> bike so yeah so I just did that really really enjoyed it I, I did all right I think I was 12th or 13th on the day I don't think it was anything um there was anyone there that was really really world class or even from an age group level but I had a pretty good run I think I was second on the run or something and the bike was pretty good and the swim was okay um I think I, I can't remember what time I did in the end it was about an hour 12 or something like that possibly for the sprint distance um but yeah so after that um yeah I sort of did that and then thought oh I quite quite enjoyed it and then I think bought myself a a road bike um and then just did a few duathlons and stuff after that I suppose that's how I sort of started into that sort of multi-sport yeah 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 had you heard about duathlons before that then and somebody said oh there's this, uh, thing, there's this thing that the triathletes do in the wintertime. It's called the duathlon. <laughs> yeah, I, I, can't, I don't think I'd necessarily, I hadn't really sort of um, really knew about it, really. I think when I was a very young lad, I sort of watched Transworld Sports and saw the Ironman races and things like that. And yeah, I don't think I was too, I think probably what happened from memories a little while ago now is I probably started buying a few sort of triathlon magazines and saw a couple of duathlon sort of um articles and then thought yeah i'll um i'll have a crack and and do one i just found a a local race and it it suits me because i think uh, coming from a running background my swimming's probably the the weakest link and my bike was a i'm I'm, used to cycle a lot when i was a kid so i wasn't a bad cycle i wasn't a uber cyclist but um i could hold my own to a certain extent and yeah so the duathlons sort of lended themselves so i did a couple of i think just couple of sprint duathlons um i think the first one i did i think i was actually second it was only a small sort of race but yeah i think when you at the pointy end even on a smaller race it quite gets you quite excited to do some yeah, yeah, absolutely get yeah. Gets you, um, yeah just uh, you get the bug then don't you because you you taste a little bit of success and you think oh i could i could do i could do something with this 
Yeah, so I, I, I just really enjoy it. And I think as well, being a runner, it's quite nice because you can get to the run at the front, get a bit of gap over maybe some of the better cyclists. But yeah, I think the first few I found, I always, always found a lot of the cyclists would just be yeah. just coming past me, which um, which wasn't good. But yeah, you um, yeah, I did a couple of couple of local races really. Nothing on the um, the GB level. I, I think I maybe did my first duathlon. So two thousand and four, two thousand and five, did a few, did a few of those, and then um, unfortunately my um, my dad passed away when I was twenty eight, and I sort of made a decision after that to do an Ironman. So before I started doing the age group triathlons, yeah. I'd done uh, an Ironman in sort of um, I suppose after my dad passed away, just as a something to to, to get myself into. So I sort of did a few small duathlons. I did yeah. a sprint triathlon i think i did a half triathlon and then i did an ironman so i did three triathlons basically from a sprint to a half to a full within not many not many years which is probably i don't know whether it was a good thing or bad thing but (laughs) yeah i think it's there's no there's no right nor wrong is there? you do what you do and if you're capable of doing it you put the training in like you obviously were and and did then yeah it doesn't matter does it really no so um yeah they're they're eye openers. They are the Ironman races. I yeah. think you don't realize how much you can train as well. And I think off the back of that, you realize that even though I thought I was probably training hard through a lot of my athletics, I probably wasn't training as much as I think I probably could have. Mm. Um, so I think those sorts of things put a bit of perspective into how far you can actually push your, push yeah. your body. And um, so I think that was 2009. I sort of did my, my Ironman and then, in and around that, I was still doing sort of duathlon races and things like like that as well. So, what do you prefer? Um, I really, I really enjoy the duathlons. Um, I think because I'm a bit more competitive over them. I haven't done any triathlons for a few years, to be fair. Yeah. Um, so it'd be interesting to see perhaps how I, how that might how I might go over a sort of triathlon distance again. But um, I think I really enjoy. The, the the training for the Ironman, it, it is actually quite nice in a sadistic sort of way, going out <laughs> sort of four or five hours on your bike with a couple of mates on a, on a Saturdays. I think it's that training is actually really, really nice. And I think swimming, I, I quite enjoy swimming, although I'm not brilliant at it. It's um, sort of like you, you, cycling's great, but running you feel a bit more in contact with the environment a bit more and you can run and then swimming, you're actually immersed in the environment. Which is <laughs> yeah. Different. yeah. I've never thought of it like that, but yeah, slightly that's different again. And yeah, it is. yeah, when you're swimming along and you, you go to breathe and there's a couple of ducks swimming past you or, um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So I think, um, in reality, I suppose I, I, I do sort of prefer the, um, the duathlons from a competitive point of view, because I think I get, it, it meets my strengths, but, yeah. From a training point of view, yeah, I really enjoy. I used to really enjoy going down to a lake. On we used to do a lake session Saturday morning, and then we'd go out for sort of four or five hours on the bike afterwards, which was just really good fun. To be fair, hard work but good fun. But competitive wise, the duathlons probably where I get better results, and the which is always yeah always nice. Yeah, that's always the pull, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So, how did you find out about age group then? Um. So I think 
I got to I got to a point where I was racing a few races, and then I just thought one year I thought right, I'll, I think I read a couple of articles on it, saw a few things, and I think I'd entered um, saw Clumber Park one year. I think it was two thousand and. 16 so i came to that quite late so i was about 36 i think when i came to sort of doing those and i said i just give myself a bit of a target and said i'd be interesting to have a crack at one of these age group races and um see if i can um qualify for a, for a gb vest because i thought i hadn't done it through my running it's an opportunity here and i'll, I'll just have a bit of a crack and didn't expect didn't expect too much really so um so yeah, so I just entered. Uh, I think it was Clumber Park. It was a an autumn. No, I think it was a probably one of the around sort of February March. I think they do one around. Yeah, they're usually March they're usually time. in March aren't the qualifiers. Yeah. Yeah. So um, so I entered. Yeah, so I entered that. Um, I missed the qualifying spot. I think I got out kicked by somebody for the for the final sort of third spot or whatever it was. Um, but managed to get a rollback place. So oh, cool. I uh, went to Avils in 2016 for my first mm. Worlds, which was petrifying. Um, <laughs> and I, d- I don't know how other people and maybe other people on the on your podcast have found it, but I, I think even though I'd run a lot, I think I was so nervous going into that race, um, just excited, nervous, just the whole wearing your GB suit, doing all the sort of the course recce having the sort of like um i think at the time they had a three uh, gb teams are huge aren't they so you have yeah. a 300 odd team you're sitting in a room taking the race briefing yeah so it was um really i really enjoyed it but really nervous on the um on the on the first sort of race that i did and um i think i was 33rd overall no, 33rd in my age group yeah, and um, but really enjoyed it. So just even in an age group level, when you put a GB vest on, I think it's um, yeah, you can be so proud that you've got this sort of your, your country's colours and things like that. So yes, yeah, so that was the first one I did, and I think it was just I fell into it. Really, I saw some races and thought I'll have a crack at it, and and I think um, for me, the amount of friends and people that you meet through that, mm-hmm. got friends all over the country now that. Yeah. you talk to just and that I've, I've actually got probably friends that i don't meet in the uk and only meet on <laughs> yeah yeah, got, yeah there's a lot with quite a few people that i think um i think you had ross on uh one of your earlier podcasts i think yeah just, and um i don't speak to him much other than i, I met him through um i think he raced at finn in denmark mm-hmm. um so yeah, and there's a numerous other amounts of people that I've met through through yeah. that. You just don't yeah. see in the UK very much. Yeah. It's <laughs> such a, well, unless you're at qualifying races, but it is such yeah. a community, isn't it? That yeah, you know, you're always um, bumping interfaces if you if you're at the qualifiers, and you know, especially in your own own age group and things as well. Yeah, I think it's just, and I think even on social media, I think yeah, it's so many conversations, so many yeah. yeah, but it's such a really good, really good atmosphere. Um, really good team spirit and yeah and it's um yeah so I did the first one and from there on I've always sort of yeah whether it's a European or a world just tried to qualify and um yeah so to 2016 17 I think the first one I did was in Spain in Avils second year 
I think there was a Europeans in Soroya, Sor- I think it is. I can't Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was 2017. That was really good. Really yeah. windy that day. Um, <laughs> was. I was there, yeah. Uh, uh, I didn't got blown off my bike. Yeah, luckily I only had deep dish wheels that day, but that was a really windy. I think I was 10th on that day. So it was like yeah. suddenly gone from 33rd in the world to 10th in Europe. And then we went out to Canada that year to Penticton. Yeah. Um, and that was just fantastic. That was just the most amazing experience. Um, and I think I was 12th that year. So, yeah, it was already a good sort of progression. But I always find in Spain you get a lot of Spanish in Spain, but they don't travel. So no, no. it's weird, <laughs> um, isn't it? Weird. Because yeah. the the I mean it's quite a big sport over there, as you say, and, and yeah. they're always well represented when it's in Spain, but you know, they, they don't travel that far at all, no. even in Europe, and you hardly ever see them in the worlds. Yeah, it's really really strange. So um, but yeah, I think going to Canada was just I was just amazing. It's, it's, again probably a country I wouldn't have said I'm going to go there on holiday, but because there was a race there, um, it was really nice just to go out and explore and yeah, just, um, but yeah, since I think after that, I think the year after that was Denmark. Um, and then we sort of got into more of the the COVID season then (laughs) stuff. So, um, but I had a good two or three years, I think, um, I was 12th and then I think the following year I was 14th in, in Denmark as well. So, quite good results but yeah, nothing, yeah. nothing amazing um but pretty yeah pretty consistent think, good results, well but, you say nothing amazing but i think it's amazing just to actually get there and yeah. actually race and then yeah i think it, it's it is amazing regardless of where you place just to be able to have competed for your, for your country really yeah and i think um but i think the bike leg and stuff like that was a real I just lose lose a chunk of time on that. Yeah. Um, not a bad runner, but bike leg was um, always a little bit my um, yeah chink in the armor through those, especially through the first few years that I was that I was doing those races. But you're putting that right. Yeah, so I think um, I think I turned forty a couple of years ago, and um, I think what I decided to do when I turned forty there was a couple of things I. When I was in Canada, I got diagnosed with colitis, which is like a um, irritable bowel syndrome, sort of linked to a bit of Crohn's. So, without going into too much of the detail, it's yeah, not 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 pleasant at times when it when it's flared up. So, and had you had any um, symptoms of this before, or did it just suddenly appear? What? I had a little bit of something a few years before, but it 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 wasn't. Um, there was no sort of real um, diagnosis of it or anything, and it, it cleared up. So, but from sort of 2017 onwards, for about two or three years, I had a real spate of sort of, um, bit of colitis, which makes it very difficult when you're training. You're losing a lot. You can lose quite a bit of blood from from it. Um, yeah, you can't. Yeah, controlling your bowels can be quite difficult at times. Yeah. So. Training wise, you can imagine when you're running out and about and you suddenly need the toilet, for example, yeah, yeah. things yeah. like that. So from a training perspective, it's not so bad in the winter when you're running through fields in the middle of nowhere, but mm-hmm. if you're going abroad and running through cities, it's yeah. so um yeah, so just um that becomes very just stressful on your life. And what do they yeah. put that down to, Simon? 
what there's no diagnosis for it so there's no they don't know what causes it um so when i turned 40 um i'd sort of made a few decisions about just trying to change some stuff up see um i think um i've turned vegetarian um which is like yeah i noticed that and that we'll have a chat about that because it's that's that's quite interesting yeah so that made I think made a big difference. Just try to bit of work-life balance, try to not work so many hours and things like that. Just try and um, just ease that back a little bit. So, um, but then tried a whole range of things from acupuncture. So saw an acupuncturist just to try and help sort of um, with, with that as well. So I think that sort of helped, but there was a, a few things I think that I, I changed just as I turned sort of 40 that, whether that was, I don't think I'd necessarily made decisions for that purpose, but those lifestyle changes may have made an impact. And I think last two years, I haven't had a spate of colitis whatsoever. Um, and I think some of it's about reducing stress loads. Some of it's yeah, yeah, probably yeah. dietary um, and just that sort of sleeping patterns and just, just a few things that probably touch wood. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I haven't had any sort of spates from it for a few years, so. Um, well, I mean, again. what you've just mentioned there, you know, you've done, you mentioned your diet, you mentioned stress, you mentioned sleep. You know, those are, are like pinnacle pillars of of well being, aren't they, and health? Yeah. And you know, I think when you live in a busy life and working hard, they all go by the wayside, don't they? Yeah, you exercise and you eat to fuel, but yeah. Lots of us don't think about what we're eating, do we? And it just goes back to, so how have you found um, the vegetarian diet then? What And how has that, one, affected your situation? And two, how has it affected how you exercise and your performances? So, yeah, in terms of, since I made some changes when I was uh, 40, the last two years, my performance levels have completely changed. So... Um, if you take Clumber Park, for example, I'm about, I think I was about eight minutes quicker now over that course than what I was when I was 36. Five of those minutes are on the bike leg. So dietary wise, I'm pretty, yeah, I'm vegetarian um, and I'm pretty much plant-based on a lot of things, not everything. Um, and that is, uh, I suppose some of it is, we've got some pet chickens. So since I've had chickens that sort of turned me off meat as well a little bit so so some of it's a bit of um dietary for just yeah for for that reason but some of it's also just for me yeah having having little sort of uh chickens in the garden makes you makes you uh realize that they've got a little personality and i didn't <laughs> yeah i've kept chickens myself and you yeah. are so right and there's so, a pecking um, you know they say about pecking order there is yeah. a pecking order when you've got chickens <laughs> isn't there you just yeah. i'd used to sit and watch them i haven't got any yeah. anymore but i used to sit and take a cup of tea down the bottom of the garden and just yeah. sit and watch them for hours yeah so <laughs> i was a massive sort of steak yeah. eater beef eater mince eater all those which are actually very difficult to um digest and to so they're actually quite slow in terms of through the digestive system as well so i eat a lot of corn sort of stuff now and, and sort of uh, things like that which is actually probably better than the cheap meat that i was probably buying so um yeah so completely the diet i think has made a massive improvement I've stopped eating a lot of snack food in the evenings so rather than having a sponge pudding and custard after my 
after my workouts <laughs> and after yeah. my meal for a dessert, I'd, I'd have a bowl of cereal instead or, or think just some sort of simple things like that. So, and then my milk, I don't have dairy milk, plant-based milk with my yeah. tea, with my coffee, or, or I don't drink coffee. So um, don't drink much caffeine now because that was also an irritable for my colitis. So right. decaf tea, don't drink coffee or my milk sort of um, plant-based is so, it milk or, or soy milk or soy anything milk, like yeah. that. Um, one thing I've struggled with, I love rice pudding. So I had to try, try and find a vegan based recipe that works for me. So, I, well, they're I out there, that. isn't it? Amazing when, because we're not vegetarian, but we have gone, we don't eat meat. We still eat a little bit of fish. Yeah. But it's amazing what you can like swap in and out for, yeah. you know, things like that. You know, it's, it's, it's quite incredible. My, my wife made some, um, Unbeknownst to me, she ordered this waffle maker one yeah. night and it came the next morning and she come up with this vegan waffle because we've got uh, both both my kids are either vegan or vegetarian and the partners are as well. And they came home at the weekend and she come up with this vegan uh, recipe for waffles and it was yeah. incredible. So yeah. you can just find all these different recipes and, you know, white sauce uh, we use cashew nuts soaked in milk, and it's like, yeah. who knew? <laughs> you know, it's, and it's really, really good for you and really tasty. Yeah, and there's some little things as well. I, I've got a strength and conditioning coach now, and he said, like, give me some recommendations about certain seeds to have, like, for example, chai seeds. Yeah. He said, put them in your porridge, put them in your omelets or, or things seeds. like that. And, yeah. yeah, and they just give you a lot more sort of nutrients and energy, and it's a quick win. So, but, yeah, I... I so the last couple of years, yeah, that diet seems to have really helped in terms of both my colitis, energy levels, injuries as well. I was really suffering with calf injuries for mm. the last, from sort of 2016 to 2017, eight, before a lot of my major races, I was always getting niggles with my calves. I had quite a few injuries with just not really bad stuff, but pulling a calf and not being able to run for a little while. So touch wood. I think diets and stuff like that has also helped towards just that. I suppose it's better, it's better fuel in your body, isn't it? At the end of the day. So absolutely. And it helps um, with the inflammation, which is exactly what you had. Yeah. Because so, that's where all these problems come from, isn't it? It's inflammation yeah, of, of yeah, certain and, things. So just moving on then to your strength training, because I noticed you, you mentioned it. Um yeah. and you'd you'd put it down in your 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 bio. Um so what what got you onto that and what have you been doing and what sort of exercises do you use? Cause it's one of the sort of like weaknesses as, as, as multi-sport athletes that we shy away from saying we haven't really got time for it, even though we all know that it's really important, especially as you're getting older. Yeah. Um, you know, so yeah. So again, I, I think a lot of injuries I was having and uh, there's a guy that I know, um, called Simon King, who who does sort of strength and conditioning. And um, I reached out to him and said, look, I'm having a lot of injuries, got a lot of niggles. I'm getting a bit older. I think I need to to sort some stuff out here and, and get myself working on my sort of strength and, and just general sort of conditioning, really. And um, I went in for a chat, had a look at what goals, what I wanted to achieve, um, and just sat down with him really. And so I have a weekly session now, um, just an hour a week, virtual. Um, I sort of started just before lockdown and we'd go sort of go and have a physical one-to-one during lockdown. So we do a session an hour a week really. And um, 
that can be anything from sort of kettlebell sort of exercises. So high pulls or um, a whole range of things with the kettlebells. Um, and then to just general sort of bounding and hopping and just a whole variety of exercises really. But it's took me a while to build up to starting with like a little two kilogram sort of soft thing to now a sort of 16 kilogram dumbbell with yeah. we, sort of doing swings through your legs and high pulls and all sorts. So we do a range of sort of a block of those and then do things sort of more body weight sort of exercises from your sort of um, uh, strength, I suppose core, core stability work, whether that's sure. sort of, um, uh, I'm trying to think just, planks and that sort of exercises to um sort of hopping on the spot or a whole broad range of things really and um I think for me personally if I don't have somebody like a coach to do that I think I'd probably not do it as, so as most that, as most of us would you know yeah that's... so just having that session every it's every Friday one till two yeah switch off from work go and do that get the kettlebell out um and then we do things like in the garden as well um sort of like standing long jumps or just a whole variety of things really and i sort of in a way i, I sort of just entrust he just tells me what to do yeah i just don't trust to him think to, about it. to do the work yeah. don't really don't really register really what we're doing every week and in some ways i just know that it gets me in a good shape he gets me stronger like i said the, the weights that i'm doing now are pretty good they're a lot of sort of work on the sort of thighs and my quads and all of that sort of stuff and haven't been having as many injuries. Um, and that's just really helped me progress, especially on the bike as well. I mm. think it enables me to, when I had some positional work done, I can get better positions on the bike. I can hold that position stronger yeah. and for longer. Um, I can get into more of an aero position because my core strength's there. So whenever yeah. I go and have, um a bike fit it's like right can you get into the what strength and can you, yeah no worries just tell me where where you want me and i'll build the strength to get to the position that i need to get to so yeah it just um made a massive difference to my bike performance injury performance my run times are improving than probably what they were the last two years they've improved 40 seconds over 5k and i'm getting older so mm-hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, not running as quick as I was when I was sort of 24, 25, but the progression from from when I was 35 to what I'm running now, I'm probably running as quick, if not quicker, than I was when I was 35. And my bike times are just far, far superior than they were. But dietary and the strength and conditioning work. Um, and also my luckily my strength and conditioning coach is also um an ex-athlete. So he does all my run program for me as well. Oh, okay. Yeah, so yeah. he does a whole periodic, I can't pronounce that, yeah. training regime for yeah. me. So we work on a plan to, like, we got the Europeans next week. So he'll have done a whole session and training, gearing me up ready ready for that. So like I said, my run times are improving as well. So cool, made a huge difference. Great. Just while you've mentioned that, that's Bill Bauer, isn't it, in next weekend. How are, yeah. you, how are you feeling and how's training gone for it? Touchwood, yeah, really good. Uh, I think last year I had a real sort of breakthrough. I was fourth at the Worlds last year yeah. at my age. Um, so I was absolutely chuffed with that. 
Um, it's one of those where I couldn't have got much more out of me. So I think going into the Europeans, yeah, I'm really, really looking forward to it. I've had a good season so far. I've got some good PBs over the the bike and run a good 5K the, a few weeks ago. So, I mean, as good a shape as I can be, I think. Just yeah, it depends what everyone else does on the day. But I mean, well, all you can do is your best. Yeah. You to, all you can do is control the controllables and yeah. forget about anything um, else. And it's a good, good hilly course as well. Yeah, you like a hill. Yeah, so that's going to be challenging and a little bit different from a lot of the duathlon courses. I think um, the Worlds last year, there was a good incline on that, but I think it's even better on this one. I think there's a good 5K climb, I think, from what from what I gather, with a couple of 16% sections in it from right, what okay. I've heard. So, wow. yeah, yeah. I, think it's a, I think it's about 5% over the 5K, I believe, and then um, yeah. with a couple of little kickers in 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 it somewhere so that's be a test. quite different to a lot of your flat fast dual carriageway type yeah. type events um not so much in the uk because i think our duathlon courses are a bit more rolling when they're on the roads um yeah, yeah so a lot be, of them are moving to tracks now aren't they so yeah which i think is a good thing i think um it can be a little bit dangerous kind of on some of those courses in sunday mornings when you've got especially tracks. if they're not closed down yeah, um, I think Alton Park and um, some of them other courses are great. Um, Goodwood have got some on as well, haven't they? Race Rapid, were, yeah, yeah, Race Rapid were doing some as well at um, yeah. Mallory, which unfortunately looks like might not be yeah happening um, anymore, which is which is a shame. Cause I know I know Rob quite well from yeah I met him in one of the again one of the Team GB. All right. Um, so I remember talking to him before he set up Race Rapid, and um, yeah, so that's, that's a shame, really, to see that um, that might not be uh, there anymore. But yeah, those closed closed race circuits, really good. Yeah, cool, cool. So um, I noticed also we'll we'll just run through this one quickly. You mentioned about your sixteen sixty. Yeah. Just want to explain a little bit about that. Yeah, when I um. When I turned 40, I wanted to give myself a couple of challenges, really. So the first one I did was, um, I think, 16.60 at the time, which was I wanted to try and run close to a 16-minute 10K and break 60 minutes on for a 25-mile TT. So it was a bit of a opportunity for me to, to just give myself some targets to, to race to or train towards to hopefully improve my duathlon. So every year since then, I've been giving myself these these little targets. I think yeah, yeah. Um, the sixteen sixty. I managed to, in the end, I think that year I broke sixty. I think I did a fifty seven fifty four, which I was like super chuffed with. But the five k was a little bit out of reach, and I think that year I only did a sort of sixteen fifty four or something. I had a couple of injuries through the summer, but um, and then the year after I did another one, um, and then this year I've done a. 1620 which is again trying to get close to that 16 minute 5k but also try and get a bit closer to 20 minutes for a 10 mile tt yeah. um but they've been really good in terms of just giving me a bit of focus yeah i think it's do. a great idea i saw it and i thought well, that's brilliant really yeah, is something I, to, to focus on yeah I, I i i fell into a trap of a few years ago doing the plumber park race not really racing much then throughout the year and then just go into the the competitions and i think found recently that i need a, i needed some races to get race fit and yeah. doing the sort of 
the races like that were, were really good for me. I've joined a local cycling club. I've joined uh, Western Tempo as well in terms of uh, running clubs. So just trying to get cross-country races and other races in and train with better people and race with better people. And that project 1660, as it was then, was a really good way for me to have something to to drive towards and channel my efforts towards. Um, but yeah, I think lots of people have targets they want to hit for the year and, and things like that. But for me, it was just like, yeah, put it out there, put it on my social. Yeah, no, it's it's, it, it's uh, really, I thought it was a really cool thing to do. <clears throat> um, so yeah, so fascinating background story, uh, ups and downs in it as, as we all have. Um, we've got a few quick fire round questions now. Um, yeah. And the first one is what's your favorite bit of kit? Yeah, I heard this on a couple of other <laughs> ones. And uh, I mean, a lot of people talk about their bikes and things and all those. Sorts yeah. of things. I think for me, um, a piece of kit that I bought was uh, my watch. I think it's as simple as at the time I was like, oh, do I want to spend a lot of money on a watch? But yeah. actually my watch has been something that I've used now for three or four years, little Garmin triathlon watch and yeah. just enables you to get you, get all the information heart rate overnight when you're sleeping uh, I can register all my training sessions to it so I think that's probably a piece of kit that isn't a big big piece of kit but yeah it's one of my favorite pieces of kit because I think it's just there with you yeah, I wear it all of the time and it, it just yeah. gives you so much data insight um you know you to track all your training and things like that so it's quite a quite a good piece of kit that um outside of yeah, some of the more luxurious bike stuff and those sorts of things. But I think <laughs> yeah. it is something that um yeah gives you a lot of insight, especially if you've got um, especially with this garment, if you're wearing the heart rate band as well, it'll tell you stride length if you're overcompensating on the left or the right. So you can get quite a lot of data from them, which yeah, yeah, it is really yeah, it can be really insightful, not just for me, but also for my coaches then testing my stress cores through training peaks and things like that. It's just a way to yeah, really monitor and understand your, um, yeah, how you're going. Yeah. It's, yeah, always it's, nice, it? it's always nice when you start your run and it says it goes up to performance good or performance. Which <laughs> yeah, yeah. is always nice. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I started off with the, the old nine ten Garmin. Yeah. Um, and then that just gave up the ghost. And then I bought a second hand one off eBay. Same yeah. nine ten Cause and then I just splashed out and got the nine four five, and it's yeah. just wow! It just yeah, blows it your mind what it can do, and you know all the like you've just said about the data and sleep, and ah, oh, it's just it's yeah, just it's great. I mean, fabulous. now that the, my coach who put my stuff on training peaks, it'll link to this, and I haven't got to worry about how many reps I'm doing, what I'm doing. It's just like you press go, and it's yeah. like you got ten one minute reps, and it will just cal- calculate it all for you, and just you can just yeah. switch off and concentrate on the sessions and. Yeah, so it's a good good piece of kit. Good, yeah, excellent, excellent. Uh, so, what resources do you? Uh, obviously, you've got your coach and you've got your um, your running running coach and your strength condition coach. What what other resources do you rely on for your training? Um, I've got a cycle program that I use, and it's a ex Olympic cyclist rower Rebecca, and I can't remember her surname now. Um, and so, I I bought that off Training Peaks for about twenty. 30 quid yeah. uh, it's a 20 week program been following it now for the last two years 40k time trial program rebecca romero all um, right yeah yeah I've heard of and it. it's a program that i bought off training peaks it's about 30 quid i think it was 
and absolutely fabulous. I, I follow it yeah. religiously now and I've been using it for the last couple of years and it's just trans- helped to really transform my sort of cycling. Um, so, yeah, so resource-wise, that's been fantastic. And then outside of that, just read a few books. Dan Bingham, his latest book on um, reverse engineering, yeah. really good read. Yeah, I listened um, to him on a podcast, fascinating bloke. Great yeah. cyclist, just brought the the hour record, hasn't yeah. he? Yeah, yeah fascinating. He, yeah, he owns uh, Watch Shop as well. That's um, right, yeah. But he's, yeah, he's got a book about reverse engineering, which is really interesting. So, yeah, so I'll just read it. I'll read a bit. Um, but a lot of it, yeah, is um, reliant on my sort of strength and conditioning coach in terms of my running and that. And then at the moment, I just follow my Rebecca Romero cycling plan. And outside of that, just a little bit of, yeah, cookbooks and vegan cookbooks or, yeah, the Velo Chef or things like that. So, um, yeah, but not too much really. And then just the general listening to podcasts, social media, those sorts of things. But the big ones, I suppose, are the training peaks sort of that I follow in terms of the cycling and, yeah, just then the strength and conditioning, which has been really helpful. Cool. Great stuff. What advice would you give to uh, others? I think for me, the last couple of years where I've just focused on myself and just enjoyed, and I think just enjoy the running. So, for example, I do a really long run on a Sunday with my mate. We do about three hours on a Sunday, um, which is a pretty long run, to be fair. And we just go and enjoy it, have a laugh, and just, I think, enjoy the process, as, as corny as that sounds. I think it, if no, you're not, it's not, in, it's not corny, is it? It's, yeah. it's exactly right. If you don't enjoy it, you won't yeah. race well. And I think since I've, yeah, the, since I've really started to enjoy the training, it makes you want to get up and get out when you don't. Some days you don't really enjoy it, but as much as you can enjoy it, get out to new places, train in different environments. I think it is that you've got to enjoy the process. If you're not enjoying the process, then I think it's, um, yeah, just got to enjoy the process. And then I think you get the, um, and I think just be the best version of yourself and just strive for better and not worry about what everyone else is doing. I spent too much of my running career worrying about who was on the start line and getting this, just enjoy what you're doing, turn up to the line the best you can do and don't worry about cool. anybody Great. else really. Great advice that we all we all need to follow. <laughs> Easier said than done, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> cool. And finally, um, what are your short and your long-term goals? Short term, I, well, I've got the Europeans next week, which you is really short term. So yeah, that, that's, that's a really short term goal. I'd love to come back from there with, a medal um, i think you're gonna do it no pressure but i yeah. think you're gonna do it so i'd love to come back and then sort of mid to long term is I, i've done a couple of middle distance duathlons this year i've won my first british triathlon major at um middle distance duathlon oh, so i want to do maybe a middle distance duathlon because my bike's improved so much yeah it's actually nearly if not stronger than my running at the moment so and i haven't lost anything on the run so maybe a middle to middle distance duathlon over the next few years. And I think with me finishing a good result last year, I'd just love either to get a European or a world title would be absolutely, uh, but yeah, we'll see how that, how that pans out. So first crack of that next week. Um, and yeah, over the next few years, see if I can get, 
I've got a couple of good national medals at the moment. Last year, I got a couple of silvers and a bronze this year. So getting an international medal is the short to long-term goal, really. First of all, good luck with everything everything you've just said and good luck with your future. But I love it how you, you're looking into the future and that you've got a long-term goal. It's not, yeah, you've got the race this weekend, but you, you're focused... You know, it's a long-term thing, which I think this is what it is, isn't it? This is the lifestyle that we live in. Yeah, I think so. I think... It's, it's great to come out and hear hear that from you. You know, that's... Yeah, I think as well with duathlon, there's technology and I think bike positions and stuff like that. It's amazing how much what I've learned as well since I'm performing better at 42 than I was at 35. Yeah. And over the last couple, I was training pretty well last year and I've already knocked uh, from my, my TT riding. I was 58 minutes two years ago. I'm now down to 53. My 10 mile TT's come down from 23 minutes to nearly 2030 this year. So, and I'm getting older. So it's going the right way. So it? it's, yeah, just, I suppose uh, with duathlon, it's how long you can hold on to that form before everyone else sort of <laughs> yeah. loses their form. But yeah, it's amazing what I think a change of diet, change of lifestyle, these sort of margin, people talk about marginal gains, but I made quite a few marginal gains in lots of areas over the last couple of years. And it's had a huge impact. It's, it's sort of eight minute over a two hour race. I, I'm sort of eight to 10 minutes quicker than I was when I was 35. And I wasn't unfit yeah. from, from any means. So it's amazing what you can do when you look around. And, and some of that stuff's not expensive stuff to do. That's a great place to land it. Good luck um, next weekend. I will be, I'll be watching the results because there's quite a few of the athletes that I know are over there. I was supposed to be there, but um, not going now because of various niggles and things. And yeah. just, uh, it hasn't worked out. So, but I uh, hope you have a blast and you enjoy it and, um, yeah, good luck with with the race. Um, yeah, no. So, yeah, look forward to yeah hearing more of the podcasts and stuff. So um, yeah, and hopefully your niggles get better, and hopefully see you on the start line next year sometime <laughs> yeah. or later this year. Yeah. So thank you ever so much once again for coming on and sharing your story. It's been fantastic. Cheers, Simon. Love right, to meet you. All right. Take care. Bye. Thanks once again to Simon for coming on and sharing his journey. Life's never plain sailing for any of us, is it? And uh, I'm glad to see that he's got on top of his colitis uh, issue. And it seems to be that his, his diet and his strength and uh, conditioning sessions and his focusing on sleep and health and well-being, standing him in good stead. And it's uh, a pleasure for me to reveal that he actually got a bronze at um, Bilbao last weekend, um, which is what we were indicating and hoping that he was going to be able to achieve that podium podium step so thank you once again and well done Simon fantastic result um, and it was great to hear his uh, his projects to keep him keep his drive going I thought that was uh, yeah that was a really good idea um, something that I might incorporate in my own training just to just to pep it up a bit. So I hope you enjoyed that one. Um, and that's about it for this episode. Thank you ever so much again for taking the time out to listen. We are once again looking for age group multi-sport athletes to come on the pod and share their story. So if that's you or any age grouper that you know, um, tell them to get in touch. And you can get in touch by email 
um, which is agegroupmultisportpodcast.gmail.com. Just drop us a line with a bit of a background story on yourself and we'll sort something out. Or you can DM us on Instagram at amp underscore 1967. You can follow us on Twitter at Age Group Multisport Podcast. And we have our own YouTube channel, which is AmpGB. Uh, the podcast up there. Um, but that is something in the plan that I will, uh, I will rectify. But all the others are on there. So if that's your platform of choice, you can go across to um, YouTube and give us a listen. And I would really appreciate it if you could... Uh, especially if you're on Apple um, Podcast or Spotify, just leave us a review, um, a message and rate us because that really does help us to lift our profile and uh, get our name out there so other like-minded people can uh, give us a listen and support. So until the next episode, stay safe, keep training and love the process.